and welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, cybersecurity, data privacy, tech innovation. I'm Laura Milstein. And I'm Gabby Schulte. Today, we're bringing on a special guest to help us dive deep into the cybersecurity world. Gabby, today, who are we talking to? Today, we're talking to Horatio Zambrano. Horatio is the CMO and cyber strategist for Secret Double Octopus. He has been a leading evangelist in the industry uh, industry for passwordless authentication and also CMO, CSO for True. He has contributed his deep expertise in PMM and B2B marketing at several early stage cyber startups. Horatio, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gabby. It's nice to be here. I'm very uh, happy to be here. Absolutely. So we always love to start the show with kind of asking people, what's your journey into tech? And specifically, like, how did you get into cyber? How did you become an evangelist for for passwordless authentication or authentication? I can't say that word today. Um, So yeah, just tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so I guess it started because I was a computer science uh, major uh, in college at Stanford in the uh, early 90s. I graduated and um, just got into high tech in Silicon Valley with Oracle and Informix, a lot of the early companies in the um, evolution of enterprise software. And so uh, I wasn't specifically in security, but around 2003, uh, my career got me into a, a, a company called WebSense, which was uh, product URL filtering, and they were moving into spyware. And so that was my first touch point into sec- information security. Um, and then I've been sort of in the industry ever since. I even spent five years as a Wall Street analyst covering uh, all the public companies and learning about a totally different industry and seeing it from a 10,000 foot level or 50,000 foot level. And then I came back and um, I've been, uh, I guess when I got back from Wall Street, this was the Great Recession, sort of what's going to happen probably now again. But um, I came back to Cisco and they had a big, they were the leading security vendor at the time. A lot of different products, firewalls, uh, endpoint. I had the VPN and eventually the NAC business with uh, Juniper, two big companies. And I was a product manager at the time. And it just felt like a a more natural fit for me to be talking about the future. Uh, With VPN, the mobile devices came into the enterprise and the whole MDM, uh, bring your own device wave, saw that happen. And it was very evangelistic. And I think uh, those are the kind of technologies that I really like. And I think passwordless, which is what my current company, Secret Double Octopus does, is uh, like that kind of technology. It's, everybody can relate to it. It's cybersecurity, but it's relatable. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a great purpose. Just like when we all started using phones and being able to leverage those in or enterprises and also secure them was also uh, very um, easy to relate to. And, and those are the types of uh, cybersecurity technologies I like and I really get behind. So Horatio and to everyone listening, uh, if you're wondering why Gabby and I just sound terrible today, I do need to say that uh, I currently have strep throat and Gabby has COVID and we probably should be better people and not record this episode. But we were so excited to bring Horatio on that we were like, no, we have to power through this. So just so everyone knows, Horatio is that important to us and he should be that important to you. And so Horatio, just to again, thank you so much for bearing with us during our health crisis. Um, I want to kind of jump on what you just said. You talked about relatable cybersecurity. 
And that is something that I think is really hard for people to kind of process. Like what is relatable cybersecurity? In that, you also brought up password authentication. When people hear this, I think you're going to get a mixed variety of people that are like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. This is not impressive. Then you're also going to get a bunch of people that are going to be like, okay, so I shouldn't have my password as password one, two, three. Can you throw off the people that think this isn't impressive? And yet at the same time, the people that think, what do you mean? My password should just be one, two, three. Tell them this totally not what you're talking about in any form. Can you just throw everyone a curveball right now? Yeah. And, you know, by the way, I pronounce it Horatio, not Horatio, but and a lot of people do say Horatio. So I'll just. Uh, I'm going to blame it on the strep throat right exactly. now. Exactly. It's the voice. Yeah. So, you know, you get it's it's a passwordless. In fact, I was just at a trade show for identity, uh, one of the most important shows. And somebody came up to the to the booth and was I hate that. I hate the term, you know, because I just hate it. You know, passwordless. Why, why couldn't they call it device bound or device based or something? Uh, it does cause psychologically a lot of perceptions, like it's less secure because everybody's so used to using a password. Um, and it, it does have a lot of psychological black magic in some cases. So, or, or people think, uh, that it's uh, it's easy. It's not easy. Certainly, you know, the, the, the way you would look at it is there's two types of, um, I guess, trends happening. One is as a consumer, as a customer to banks. And when you're applying for mortgages and doing all this stuff, most of us will will see some form of uh, difference in how we log in and, and get uh, to systems. And then as, a, as an employee, and we focus on the employee part, the, the enterprise or the workforce as it's called the workforce IAM. And that part is super complex. I mean, there's just, if you think about most enterprises, they have a lot of systems, technology they've been buying for 15, 20 years. And you can't go into one of those companies and tell them to rip everything out and just start over. So you have to kind of play nice with what they have, but still push the envelope forward and get people to start using um, a new way of getting into systems. And the reason we all of this is coming about now is for, for the workforce, at least, is because of the mobile device. The smartphones have biometrics on them and they can be hooked in pretty, pretty easily. And that's what we leverage to make a better model. On the consumer side, uh, we just had some big announcements from Google, Microsoft, and Apple finally all getting together and getting behind the standard called FIDO Alliance, which has been out there for 10, 20, 12 years. And that is an industry-wide standard, which um, allows you to, it, it created a standard called WebAuthn for browsers. And um, that's been pretty much all the browser makers got behind it. And uh, we're seeing a lot of movement on the consumer side for cloud and web apps. And so uh, the industry really got together. It's it got together and it's making it. So, so that's complex too, because you need a lot of people or groups that don't usually talk to each other or compete with each other to get together and agree on that. In the end though, you do have to make it real simple for the end user. And when I say relatable technology, I mean, Security is traditionally known as uh, a pain point, a, a thorn in everybody's side. It tends to make things good. Security doesn't always go together with a better user experience or more more frictionlessness. In this case, it does. Going passwordless can actually be a better user experience. So it's different than the traditional. And I think relatable means that 
security, you know, how do you get it? Most people just find themselves in the cybersecurity. They just evolve into it without really wanting to. It's kind of a complex field. Most of us in the industry are a little older than maybe the coders and people coming out of college. And I think that's relatable because all of us have used the password. All of us, um, there's not many, like if you think about DevSecOps or cloud ops, securing that, most of us in a dinner party are not going to really be able to talk that talk or um, you know, apps su- securing web apps and SQL injection or cross-site scripting. It's just not, not that relatable for most people, but passwords and how you get into systems are and using your phone and the biometrics now are becoming increasingly relatable. So I think uh, mm-hmm. it's easier to, to, un- to make people understand the, the importance of it. Uh, so just kind of following up on that, um, is there anything that people are doing on a regular basis that they may not realize is in the realm of cybersecurity? I think we know like when we're using cybersecurity or when we need cybersecurity, but sometimes I think there's just an everyday thing going on where I have no idea that that would fall under cybersecurity. Well, I think the the main one that all of us use, most of us, when you open your phone, if you put a pin in or you put a thumbprint or a, a face ID, that's a, a form of cybersecurity. Um, when you uh, walk away from it, when your com- computer locks up and you have to, you know, within a certain amount of time, uh, that's a, a very important form of cybersecurity as well. You have to unlock it. It's not a full reboot of a system. Um you know, I think a lot of us share uh, share streaming accounts like Netflix and Hulu with your parents, or that's a form of security too. They're, they could really lock down on that if they wanted. They could check your IP addresses and know that people are watching it in two locations. And Netflix actually has been with the layoffs they're having and some of the issues that there's been talk about them going to enforce that. Of course, they would lose a lot of uh, of subscriptions too, so they're a little worried about that. But but when you use these streaming services, you're logging in as well on your on your Apple TV or on whatever your Fire Fire TV stick, and when you're sharing them, it's also um, a form of of cybersecurity on the back end. When you go on a browser, there's a lot of security going on. Like you, the fact that you go to Bank of America's website, and it's actually Bank of America's website, and not some f- fake website. There's under the cover stuff happening there that that the systems uh, invisibly are taking care of to make sure that that is the right, the true, authentic site. Um, and more more recently, people are getting phone calls. There's a, a thing called I think it's called a v, v fish or it's got a name, but it's basically the um, you get phone calls from people posing as somebody trying to um, to get information. And I think we've all been um, party to that. Yeah, just like telemarketing calls and, and uh, they can very easily be uh, fake hackers that are doing that. So it's, it's a pervasive part of our world now. No one likes telemarketing calls, especially when they're secret hackers. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, So I, I want to know a little bit about, you know, the, the state of the passwordless enterprise today, you know, what are some, you kind of went over it a little bit, but can you kind of, excuse me, Jeez, we're so we healthy everyone. today. We're I'm so. Surprised. I'm really surprised you guys went forward. Uh, kudos to you guys for for coming forward on this one. We today. told you we may not know how to pronounce your name correctly, but we are big fans. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I would love to know a little bit about some of the trends you see in passwordless uh, today, 
and kind of down the line, um, do you think that this is going to be easily adopted by people? And what are some of the challenges that you foresee? Yeah. Um, so I'll break it up in, I'll start with the enterprise or the workforce, which is what I focus on, but I, I can comment a little bit about the consumer side too, which people will see passwordless hitting them there too. So on the enterprise side, I feel like, um, there's these things called FIDO keys. Like this is a Yuba key right here. I don't know if you can see it, but these are the new, the new evolution of like things we used to use 15, 20 years ago, like the RSA, the code that was flipping all the time, uh, the, the, the hardware tokens that went to software tokens. And now there's something called uh, FIDO, the FIDO Alliance that I mentioned, the FIDO standard, FIDO security keys. And that is uh, allows you to plug that into a desktop or a phone and you're effectively not using a password. It's, it's authenticating you. Uh, and that this new announcement by the big vendors is pass keys. So pass keys is a form of like this, this is the most secure form, but the problem is if you lose this, you have to go get another one. And so if you know, if you've ever had an Apple the ecosystem, you have iCloud and you have a new device, one device will authenticate the other and let that new device on. Well, Apple, Microsoft, and Google are taking that concept into this thing called the FIDO pass key. So your phone kind of becomes this this become your phone becomes this. And if you get a new device, it can kind of push it to the, the other device sort of that way that the iCloud ecosystem does. That's called a pass key, a little bit less secure than this, because when the moment you try to move the, the private token or the private key that's on here to another device, somebody could intercept it. So this is still the gold standard, but that's, um, that's, uh, there's so much interest right now in that I was just at a conference and there was a room lined out the door to, to hear about this passkey concept that could, and then people are still trying to figure out how it's going to play on the, on the enterprise side, but on the consumer side, it's actually a big deal and, and it will hit that much sooner. So the FIDO, the keys are one thing, the type of solutions that we offer, which are uh, mobile, where you use the biometrics on here. We also support FIDO. Um, with our with our platforms, but there's several vendors that are doing that where you don't have basically to type in your password on your Windows machine or your Mac. From the min the moment you get into your system, you're using the your mobile phone and the biometrics to get you in, and then it it kind of federates or it goes out to everything you touch, so your applications. If you go to VPN, so that's um that's the real promise of passwordless. It's the holy grail. I say is that you basically make it easy for the user, frictionless. And you close down all the hatches because today the problem is MFA is not being used everywhere. And it's actually a, a worse user experience. So that's on the enterprise side. On the consumer side, I would say that the um, there's this idea of, I would add that those things are happening too. It's all about like checkouts on e-commerce sites, how you make it fast because they, they want it to be super fast. You don't have to type in or create a new account. Uh, we already had social login, so you could take your Facebook or your Google login, and that would that would federate into your consumer app. There's also other stuff going on there, like decentralized identity uh, based on, on blockchain or not. And the, the idea of decentralized identity is that you own your identity and almost like your data, you would own who, from a privacy standpoint, who you allow to... Um, what services or like if you're applying for a credit a mortgage at a federal credit union and stand your your educational your university had authenticated you that you went to school there and in the application you're sort of um, saying that you work at some place or you went to some school then you could push 
you have control of, of, of sending that uh, high assurance um, verification to the new party, to the, to the party that's trying to, to get the loan. So there's a lot of stuff going on on the consumer side that is multi-party, also very complex, but um, I think people will start to see this roll out over time. And it's all based on a lot of biometrics here too. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that makes a lot of sense. I think you kind of answered part of this, but I'd like to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Um, being on the, the tech nerd on this call, um, probably with you a bit, uh, I'm always interested in the IT team. I'm always interested in how do you make tech changes that either benefit the IT team or hurt the IT team or just have any kind of restructuring of that. So can you dive deeper into how to restructure your IT team to fix users needs when it comes to adapting passwordless, you know, and just looking at opening new channels to manage the transition? Well, hopefully not too much restructuring because that will actually stop you from being successful today. Um, you know, IT teams are overworked. They have not enough budget for all the technologies they've, they need to implement and the things they need to do. So um, you don't want to, I mean, I think it's a requirement for any vendor now in cybersecurity or, or even B2B tech that you don't, you either remove something they're already using, make it easier. You definitely don't tax them anymore uh, in terms of having to do, do a lot too much for it. It's got to deploy easy. It's got to meet all their encryption standards. So I'd say the number of requirements for a vendor to get into the game now is pretty high. And so restructuring wise, that would be considered, oh, that's pretty onerous. And I don't have time for that. We've got you know a lot of stuff to do. So to the extent that you can try to keep it within the identity team. So typically we're selling this type of solutions are the folks that set up your active directory or your user directory, they set up the single sign-on portal. So there's already a set of technologies like in the IAM market access management that have been, that have been there. And so that team, uh, whether it's one person or three people or, or shared with, with a different IT group, you don't want to, um, for the most part, you got to make it easy for them to roll this out across the uh, every user and for, for sure, one of the benefits is that you lower the help desk, like the amount of IT tickets coming because of passwords. Some companies are spending millions of dollars on that stuff. And you don't, the promise is that that goes away. Um, and so you don't want to roll out a solution that's this mission critical for people and, and burden the IT group anymore. So you got to convince them of that. So the restructuring, the only thing I think is, is definitely um, different is in the sense that you're rolling this out to a lot of employees, including executives. And you're changing the way they use their systems every day, even their laptop. So you have to have a lot of good communication to that ahead of time. And sometimes people will resist just because it's different. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, they'll resist because it's different and you've got to get the right communication out there of why it's important to do this. And there's a, we, we get 15 to 20% of people in an organization that don't want to use their mobile phone for this type of solution. They don't want to use it for MFA either. They just don't want to use it for anything related because it's their personal device or they, then it becomes, well, you got to buy me the phone. And even then they don't want to use it. They think it's tracking them. So there's always going to be some constituent of users that is going to have um, some sort of problem with it. And I think that part of it is the restructuring of these IT groups that unlike rolling out something that you would just distribute to the endpoint, you've got to get the, the perception and, and the communication right for when people roll it out. And I don't care how simple it is. You got to make it consumer Apple like consumer easy. 
there's still going to be problems and they need to be able to call a help desk and hopefully it won't be as much as when they had passwords. It shouldn't be, but um, you need to be prepared for that. So that's the restructuring that I would say you need to do, but it can't be too much in today's world. Yeah. While you kept talking about the consumer, I just kept thinking about the human error aspect. So there was a study from Stanford University that revealed that 88% of data breach incidents were caused by employee mistakes. And it makes you kind of think there are certain things on the tech side that you can control. But if a lot of these are human error, how do you handle that? How do you kind of break into that? Well, like I said, you got to, the design goal for a solution like this has to be like consumer, like I said, relatable security. You got to have consumer like ease of use, consumer like ease of use. Like the messaging has to be so simple that if something, when they're logging in, you know, they do something wrong, it tells them what to do. It, it's uh, in a very simple language. We found that in, in rolling this out, not at this company, but a prior company, we found that rolling it out in large groups, we, we saw the need to change the messaging and simplify it. It has to look and feel like the, like the Mac environment. It has to look and feel like the Windows environment. It can't look different. Um, and so that's, that's part of it. And the, the promise of this stuff is that we're taking control off the user. So to your point, it is human error and passwords are in the user's hand. They're reusing it. They're picking their dog's name. They're writing it down on post-its. And that's what we want to get rid of the human element of this. So in our solution, for example, we, we still have a password there, but we rotate it every time you log in. So if you, you log in three or 10 times a day and you're logging in different things, it's getting rotated every time. So we keep the infrastructure the same. We don't want to mess all that, that stuff you bought up because you, you've spent a lot of money getting that to work. And so we preserve everything, but we create passwordless with a password by rotating it. But the user I, never I like sees the simplicity it. to the consumer. Sorry, I just wanted to jump in on that because the more you're talking about this, the more I'm thinking about it. And I think as the consumer, I want to think about it the least amount as possible while feeling reassured. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are doing, which is really cool. Yeah. And again, the consumer is not our market, but it's going to influence our market because the more you use it as a consumer and Apple makes it easy and Microsoft and Google and all the browsers make it easy for you to do this, then you're going to get used to that. And then when you come back to work, you're going to want that same level of friction. I just seeing this research about millennials and work and people who say they will switch a job. They'll go to another company if the environment environment is not easy to use. Um, just like if, if, and the whole point is to make this more engaging for people. Like there's this whole idea of digital transformation. Well, it's digital transformation internally because, um, the more that passwordless becomes a thing in the consumer side, the more you'll get used to it. And the more you'll want that you'll look like a dinosaur as an, as an organization, if you can't offer that same level of seamlessness in your work, in your, to your workers. Um, and again, this gets back to that idea that, Oh, but then you could say, well, it's, it's for security. And it goes back to this idea that security has to be this onerous, encumbering thing. And the reality is it doesn't anymore. I mean, if, you, if you're staying up to the times and, and these, these solutions, which are now available because of the smartphone ubiquity, because of the biometrics, because of the standards, um, you don't have to have that, make that trade off anymore. Well, Horacio, thank you so much for joining us today and bearing with our uh, <laughs> respective illnesses. Um, we... Yeah, this was a really awesome conversation. You're welcome and appreciate being here. Thank you very much for talking to your audience. 
before, we just talked to Horacio Zambrano, um, you know, evangelist for passwordless authentication. Um, tell me your tech takeaways. My tech takeaways, first of all, is a shout out to us. I mean, you have COVID, I have strep. And for those people listening, I guarantee you at least half our audience is like, why did they do this to us? Why did they continue to record? Why are we listening to their strained voices? Sorry. (laughs) So sorry to all our listeners, but also thank you for supporting us. While we're sick, we are still dedicated to making sure we never miss a week for each of you. And honestly, he was such a great guest putting up with our sickness and still helping answer all of the cyber questions um, that we had. I think he did a good job in kind of making cyber relatable and talking about, you know, each component around the passwords and the consumers in a way that you could easily understand. And I appreciate that. Gabby, do you have do you have anything that really stood out for you in this episode? No, I don't. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I'll edit it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, awesome. but so yeah, so where can people find us, Laura? People can swing on over to our website at www.thattechpod.com. You can put your email in, subscribe, get some merchandise, send us an email if you want. Ask us why did we record while sick at contact at thattechpod.com. Head over to LinkedIn slash thattechpod or get us on Twitter, Instagram. That's right, at thattechpod. You can also go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, anywhere you're listening to this podcast, and give us a five-star rating and review. We would love you forever, and I think it would literally cure my COVID and Laura's strep throat. It definitely would. Give us that five-star review, or even a one-star. That's how we feel, so we may (laughs) deserve it for this episode. Thank you all for listening, and uh, check us back next week when hopefully we're healthy. 